Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It is a cultural reckoning, the tearing down of history, the changing of names, the taking down of monuments. We've also seen it in the United States, and we've grappled with the importance, what's right, what's wrong, and how do we adapt? Well, as I said, as I began the show, I love uh, looking at things in a different way, in a third way, and a new group is trying to put the brakes on this cultural reckoning by explaining things historically in a different way. One of the members of this group is a former Ontario cabinet minister, Gordon Walker. Gordon, good afternoon. Thank you for being with us. Well, I'm very pleased. All right, Gordon, how did you get the idea for this? I mean, we've watched it and seen both sides. It's so difficult. Is our history important or do we owe a change? Why do you think that there may be another way to do this? I think that it's concerning for anybody to realize that there may be some things happening to our history, a rewriting, if that's the right word, and a change. These things are probably bothering a number of people, and I think we probably see it in a variety of areas. It's not just in the history of historical personages or, or commemoratives like statues or, or streets, roads, buildings and the like. It's not just in that. We seem to be seeing a rewriting of history. We're seeing it, of course, in many, many areas. We're seeing it, for instance, even in movies. We're seeing it in how things are are. are appearing on a screen, on movie screens, where history is quite a bit different than what is being portrayed on that. I'm thinking, for instance, of the series done on The Crown, uh, which was, Mm -hmm. in some respects, historically accurate, but in other respects, simply fiction. So we see it in many areas. But what's bothering a number of people, when they look and see that our history is being torn down, that's very disturbing. If our history is being rewritten, if it's being rewritten in a form that's quite inaccurate or false, totally wrong, then that's that's very, very disturbing. So we see this in monuments. We see this in statues. We see this in roads. For instance, uh, uh, we could be talking about John A. MacDonald, and in a variety of areas all across Canada. And they're not paying very much attention to uh, what might be his great contributions to creating this country. I mean, after all, without MacDonald, there would be no Canada. Maybe we'd be the 51st state. 
But you know, it's as you say that, because I, I was thinking of um, John A. as you were speaking there, and in Prince Edward Island, there was a famous bench, and I often used to sit out there and sometimes, you know, pull up my microphone and, and think about interviewing the sculpture there. It is gone, and it is one of many. And I just want to ask you as we move forward here, who's Who's coming together with you, this new group? And I, I want to give our listeners the name, the Canadian Institute for Historical Education. Who's who's joining you there, Gordon? Are they average citizens who are concerned? Well, let me back up and say that there was cause for concern, which brought it about. Then who are the people? Well, uh, frankly, a, a number of us were former politicians and Uh, You introduced me as such, and I have a number of colleagues that I've spoken to in the past from all parties, and uh, we expressed some alarm. And so the group that kind of came together towards the end of last year would be some number of historians, uh, professional Mm -hmm. historians, even amateur historians, but also uh, the former political people. For instance, uh, there are a couple of people who were uh, in my case, I was involved with the Conservative Party. I was uh, a member of the legislature for 12 years from London, Ontario. I was in the cabinet for seven years. So I, I'm quite identified as conservative, but we have two people, for instance, who have been uh, former deputy leaders of the Liberal Party of Ontario uh, in the form of Anna Maria Castrilli and, and uh, uh, Sean Conway. We have other people who have been involved with us, uh, uh, a former NDP member of, of Parliament from uh, Toronto Broadview and, uh, and uh, Lynn McDonald. So we have some former... you got a diverse group there, people people there, coming together. We're, we're, we're going to take yes. a break, but before we go to break, because I, I want to learn more, as, you know, is there another way here, Gordon? That's what we think. So if uh, um, I can explain the way that we have here, and and frankly, what we're thinking of is, okay, if people are saying that the history is different, or if they're falsifying the history, then let us correct the history. Let us make sure we're saying the right things. And in that respect, our approach to it is to conduct a very thorough assessment, a review, assess whether or not the history, the accusations are being accurate or not. I'm thinking of Dundas Street. It runs uh, Mm -hmm. all the way across uh, much of Ontario. Yeah, and And it has been part of the big controversy here. Uh, You were just getting into an example of what this would look like. You know, as you say, you want to leave the history, but really maybe change the facts of what we know. How would you do that? Well, uh, we want to find the truth. If there is uh, accusation made about various historical personages, then I think our institute intends to get to the root of the matter and find out what's true and what's not, and then publish it in such a way that it becomes irrefutable. So we created our institute. It's for historical education. We incorporated it. But the purpose is to have real academic research and historical evidence-based analysis. So good or bad, we're going to go after it and find out. We hear the accusations, 
Well, if the accusations are that they're false, for instance, on Dundas, but they could be just on Egerton Ryerson, or it could be about John A. Mm -hmm. MacDonald, for that matter. It could be um, any host of them. Or the other day I heard it was uh, James McGill, the founder of McGill University. Well, they want to, some people want to get rid of that name on that university. Uh, so our purpose here is to get to the truth, and in that respect, we have actually engaged and, and paid for professional information, or let's call it this way, we've gone to the professional historians uh, mm -hmm. to produce evidence. And so the, the one that comes directly to mind is that involving Dundas, which is a street, of course, running right from Toronto right through to London, right through uh, your area, certainly. And, and Dundas... Toronto wanted to change Dundas Street. Why did they want to change it? Well, they heard accusations that Dundas slowed down Dundas. Well, who is Dundas? First of all, no one ever heard mm -hmm. of Dundas until a couple of years ago. We all always thought that the road, that Dundas Street was a road that led to Dundas, Ontario. Um, we mm -hmm. had, whoever knew that it involved um, a man who was a... In the political world in England in the 1790s, who was involved in uh, attempting to get the abolition of slave trade, and uh, he was the colonial secretary of Great Britain, but therefore he was also heavily involved in Canada and indeed a lot of other places where the British Empire was because he was the colonial secretary. He was uh, He's accused of slowing down the... Uh, the issue of slavery abolition, when in effect we've conducted enough analysis to say this man speeded it up. He didn't slow it down. He should be. They should build a statue for him for speeding it up the abolition. So we did some real research on this. Paid for the research a professor from Trent University by the name of of Christopher Dummett actually did analyzed the situation, and for some serious period of time, researched the Dundas story to come up with the true story. We held a colloquium in Toronto on April the 15th. The purpose yeah. was to assess this. All right, let me ask you, is it changing minds? Because there's emotion connected to this. If you present this evidence, are you are those who want to tear it down, to change the name, to get rid of it. Are they appeased by this, Gordon, this new information? Well, well, who's to say um, when you're dealing with city councils, regardless of where the municipality is, uh, can go one way or the other, and, and sometimes it seems to go both ways. But maybe we, can, maybe we can persuade, for instance, Toronto City Council, who voted to abolish the name Dundas Street, at great cost, I mean, tens of millions of dollars, some people are estimating, to change mm -hmm. this kind of thing. Whereas a place like Mississauga and I, and I believe Hamilton and London, Ontario, have, have said, oh, heck with that, we're not doing that kind of thing. Um, but in any case, Toronto City Council, caught up in an issue, decided to vote the street out. They haven't replaced it with another name yet, but they intend to. But, you know, maybe we can change minds. There are a few people on that council who are saying, we've got to take another look at this. We may have got the history wrong. We in our institute so, say, you got the history wrong. 
Gordon, are there, you know in your institute are there are there those who I mean would you say they understand why some people want to change things? Yes, yes, we can understand. In okay. fact, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, if if our research were to reveal that uh, the uh, uh, evidence was as they maintained, then I suppose we would want to rethink it ourselves. But if we've got a case to make that say that you've got that history wrong, then I think that's what our real purpose is. If we can produce the evidence to show that the thoughts that they had at that time, whenever they made their decision, were wrongly held, well, uh, that's a good service to provide. Now, there may be other issues. There may be Mm -hmm. issues, for instance, uh, the mores of today may not be the same mores of 170 years ago or 150 years ago. You know, back but then, does that matter then, Gordon? I mean, well, that, things do that. change. I mean, and sometimes it's, it's darn good that we look at things differently. Well, there's nothing wrong with, uh, uh, with people taking another look at things. And indeed, mm-hmm. there may even be occasions when... Uh, let's say a school was named for something or other in in uh, 1910, and they say, well, uh, you know, it's time to forget that. Let's name it after somebody else today, maybe a more modern mm-hmm. person. So there's nothing wrong with that kind of thing. But when someone comes along and falsifies the history, then that's wrong. How often do you think this is happening? I mean, you know, because this is just, this is happening across the country. It's happening across North America. But here in Canada, would you say that it is uh, an occurrence that's happening in other places, too? Do you think, I mean, you're kind of like uh, the wrongfully accused for monuments and historical places? Well, I do know this, that across the world, um, there are incidences of this nature where people are applying their own thoughts or mores of today mm-hmm. and applying them to what they were back then. And they're sort of saying that the person back then um, shouldn't have had those uh, thoughts. You know, we, uh, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. uh, we used to hang pickpockets back in the 1850s. Well, none of us today would think hanging a pickpocket is a, uh, a proper no. thing. But those people back then might well have done that. Well, whoever contributed to history back then, and it might have been George Brown, for instance, of the the Globe and Mail, or it may have been other fathers of Confederation, should they have been, should they be held accountable to the mores of today for what they believed in back then, which might have been perfectly acceptable by all people, by society back then? Those are things that are worthy of considering in history as well. Uh, the best example of that is probably John A. MacDonald. Remember that mm-hmm. MacDonald uh, founded this country and did so much to create it, and without him there wouldn't be a country. Now, um, I don't know whether he, what he might have believed in, but there might have been some things that some people say today he should not have believed in. Should he be held accountable for that kind of thing by holding his views back then and being applied to what they are today. Yeah, and that and that's not evidence-based. That's that's up for a discussion. If you want to hear more, subscribe to the Roy Green show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. 
And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.